Why don't we start with the scripture reading for today? This morning's scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Thank you. The Lord our God goes before us and he will not leave us or forsake us. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go, uh, as we go to today's message. Um, which is going to be about stress. It's going to be about stress, stress management. And, but today we're going to look at stress management uh, in terms of many, many demands are placed on our lives today. Demands are placed on our lives from people, from situations, from what's going on in current events, uh, what's going on around the world. Um, even our faith at times can put demands on us because sometimes we're, we're kind of torn between, you know, uh, having strong faith in something and what we should do or what we shouldn't do. Um, there are so many things going on in the world today that would give us the stress. But, however, we're going to get into stress a little more. But what I'm going to submit to you today, that the stress that you have going on in your life is a matter of attitude. Okay? Stress is a matter of attitude. And it's how you choose to accept stress and how you choose to address stress in your life. Okay? So the attitude is when stress comes, of, comes before me, either I can fold like a cheap suit, as I always say. I can fold and just give up and collapse. That's my choice. Or I can choose for my attitude to be, I'm going to remember that my Lord, my God is with me. So stress today, I want to look at it from a different perspective as it not just so much being the pressure that is put upon you, but stress is directly related to your attitude. Okay, it's how you choose to deal with stress. Either you accept it as stress and you get stressed out or you do something else about it. Okay, so if stress is a condition of attitude, then that means then that we can choose how our attitude is going to handle stress. And then then what does God say about choosing? Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy, also known as the second law, because this was where the law was given again. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 30, and we're going to start with verse 11. And as you're choosing there, now again, today's premise on stress here is based on stress is real and stress is out there, but it's all concerning your attitude on how you let stress operate in your life whether you choose to let it stress you out or whether you choose to adopt a different attitude. Okay, so we see here and then, so just envision it now. A stressful situation pops up. You get a bad piece of mail, you know, bad news in a piece of mail. You get a phone call from someone. Someone shows up on your doorstep. Nowadays, you get a text, you know. Nowadays, somebody on Facebook writes something, you know, whatever it may be, okay, and it's stressful. But it's, a, it's the, the stress we're going to say today is, can be controlled by you because stress is an attitude, all right? It's how you choose to address it. So Deuteronomy 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse number 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day, underline this day. You know, I, just to pause for a moment, um, I, I'd, like, I'd, I'd like us to, to always think about that the reason that we go to church in addition to fellowshipping one with the other, which God calls us to do, is that when we go to church, it's because God is going to speak to me through his word. Amen? That's the reason we're here. Okay? We're here the same way, in a way, kind of similar to when you take your car in for a checkup, you take it in for an oil change, you know, okay, because you want to make sure everything is operating right. Okay, well, it's the same. That's part of the reason that we go to church. All right? Because God gives us messages. Now, you know better than I. You know what's happening in your life. You know the issues that would be before you better than I. All right? You should come to church expecting that what I'm going to hear from the Word of God is going to be relating to me in some way. And expect a miracle. Okay, just don't go, go to church expecting to get beat up. Well, I mean, you, you can go to church and you can hear some things that will kind of be a thorn. or kind of make you, oh, I need to correct that. Oops, I need to fix that. You know, it happens to me and I'm up here preaching. Oh, I got to check on that. All right. 
but, but know that the word of God is a living word. And it's not just a bunch of theory on paper, typewritten paper and everything, but it's a living word. And that ask yourself, as we're reading through scripture, you know, we, we had some time here praising and worshiping God, and hopefully during the time of praise and worship, because that's why we praise and worship, it's ushering in the Holy Spirit, it's you making a connection with the Holy Spirit. And if that is true, and Holy Spirit is here, which he is, and he's ministering to your heart, then expect the word of God to speak to you through his word, all right? And expect to be edified, lifted up, and built up by it, all right? And ask yourself, Lord, is this something that I need to look at today, okay? What triggered that thought was something that we're reading here. This day, it says. So this day, ask yourself, this day, Lord, are you telling me something that I really, really need to know and really, really need to act on, okay? This is walking in the Spirit. This is walking in the Spirit. And if you go to church, those sitting here and anyone hearing this on the Internet later on by the podcast, if you go to church simply to sit there and let your mind drift on the Sunday ham that's being cooked in the oven that I always talk about, or your mind is drifting someplace else, then you could be missing out on a real blessing, on a real blessing, okay? The reason that I know services are so real, spirit-filled, church services are so real to minister to people is because I know many times over the years, and my wife and I have talked this, on the days that I felt the worst and did not feel like going into church and I dragged in, that's when that message that was preached that day had the most significance to me, okay? And the devil wanted me to stay home, to miss the message, all right? So if a church service is being conducted under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit, that message is going to say something to you, okay? It'll either edify you, it'll be some correction there, you know, it'll be some conviction maybe, not condemnation, but some conviction, all right? But it's the Lord speaking to you through his written word. Amen? Amen. So, saying that now, Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse number 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day, underline this day, meaning today, Sunday, May 18th, 2014. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near unto you, in your mouth and in your heart, that thou mayest do it. Now, if you don't already have that underlined, please highlight it. The word is very near unto you, in your mouth and in your heart, and, and thou mayest do it. So what he's saying here is that he's telling you today, and it's not hidden from you, the word, the things of God, are not afar off. They're not something that you should say, the word of God is in heaven, oh gee whiz. Who's going to go to heaven and bring the word down to me? It's not way off across the sea. Who's going to travel across the sea to bring the word to me? God is saying it's right there, it's in your mouth. Okay? It's very near you. It's in your mouth. And God is saying that He's saying this to you today. Verse number 14. But the word is very near you in thy mouth and in your heart, which is in your spirit, that thou mayest what? Do it. Please double underline, do it. Okay? So this is saying what God is saying here. Your word, my word, my promises, the things that I say to you are not so far off that you can say that, oh, gee whiz, I don't know what you're telling me, God. I don't know what it is you want from me, God. It's right there in your mouth and it's in your heart, in your spirit, that you can do what it is that God, is, that God wants you to do. Then he says in verse 15, see... I have set before thee this day, underline this day again, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Underline that. I set before you this day life and good and death and evil. All right? So God is saying that today, he's saying to you through his word here, that he has set before you life and good and death and evil. Verse number 16 says, In that I command thee this day, underline it, this day today, May 18th, 2014, in that I command you this day to love the Lord thy God. Underline, to love the Lord thy God and to walk in his ways. Underline, walk in his ways and then underline to keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances. Why? So that you may live and multiply. Underline, um, so that you may live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall do what? Bless thee. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land in which you go to possess. 
So God is saying here, my words, the thing that I say to you, are not so far off in heaven and across the sea, but they're in your mouth and they're in your heart. They're right there in your spirit so that you can, you can do it. And God is saying that this day is laying before you, this choice is laying before you, life and good and death and evil. And then he simply says, to, to, to love God, to walk in his ways and his commands, to keep his ordinances, okay, and then as a result, God will bless you in the land to which you go to possess. Now, you say, but well, Pastor, I'm not traveling any place. I'm not moving as far as I know, okay? But the land that you're going to possess, and you've heard me preach many times about, about the promised land, how God has promised lands for all of us, and that promised land right now is just sitting in front of me, could be something that you're praying for, that you're praying to materialize, something that you're really hoping for, you know, and God is telling you through His words that what you pray for in line with God's word, of course, God will do for you and give you, so this is a promise, and it's something that you have yet to possess, So whatever that thing is, that condition, that situation, that person, that thing, whatever it is that you may be praying for is your your promised land or your possession that you're wanting to possess. So God is saying here here, here that it says to love him and, and and to do what he wants you to do. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land, in the situation, in that thing for which you are praying, to which you go to possess it. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you will not hear... Please don't if your heart turns away so you will not hear, but shall be drawn away, underline drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them. Okay? Now, now listen to me just pause for a minute because what he's saying is, if your heart turns away so that you will not hear, so that you are drawn away and worship other gods. Oh, well, God, I'm not worshiping any idols. I don't have any carved, carved images. Yeah, but are you putting something else before God? Are you being drawn away from God? Being drawn away can be through objects, it can be through people, it can be through situations, it can be through people you're hanging around with, it can be through people you're associating with, drawn away, where they start telling you half-truths or untruths, so that you start serving other gods. Now you notice, other gods that has a small g, okay? So that small g, that little god, can become an idol in your life in that you are serving them, serving it, doing it, doing that, in, in, in spite of doing, or in, instead of doing, what God is calling you to do. Where you're being pulled away from his ordinances, where you're being pulled away from his commandments. And then where it says on your line, you know, so say, if your heart turns away, okay, and, and, and that means like, you don't have to, you don't have to get to the point where you have actually denounced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But people make excuses and say, well, I have not denounced Jesus, so it's okay that I do that. But if your heart gets turned away where you're leaning towards other things, you're leaning towards other confessions, you're leaning towards other ways of life, you're leaning towards believing something else, if your heart gets turned away, if your heart gets turned away so that you will not hear, not hearing doesn't mean that God is not talking to you. It simply means that you're not hearing you see why? Because your heart has been wooed and turned away, all right, so, so that you will not hear, okay, and then shall be, then you wind up being drawn away, okay? There's the old thing again, you know, me and my frog in the pot. How do you kill him? You know, you put him in cold water and gently turn up the heat. Next thing you know, the frog is dead. He doesn't even realize he's been cooked, okay? So, so when you're drawn away, slowly drawn away, Why? Because your heart started leaning in that direction. You see? You see? And many times our hearts get pulled in that direction because we haven't been bold enough simply to say no. Because we haven't been bold enough simply to say no. You need to spot. You need to be able to spot in this day and age with so much deception and so much political correctness going on what is of God and what is not of God. Okay? And I don't care who tells you. You know? You know? Me and my gadgets, you know, if somebody told me just to use, I pick on iPad so much, you know, Apple, gee, I'm no offense, Apple. But I mean, but if, you know, there's a super, super iPad out there and someone said, oh boy, we're going to give it to you free of charge and all you got to do, you know, is go to this place and then walk up to this altar and just pick it up and do this and do that. And I get there and this altar's got upside down stuff there hanging on or just things don't feel right. 
Okay, now, I don't care how attractive it is to me. I'm not going. I'm not going to touch it. You see, you see. But the devil will put things and put things in conditions and situations in front of you that are appealing and attractive to you. So you need to really, 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 really be on your guard that your heart doesn't get turned away because something seems attractive, or simply because someone said you should be involved, or someone said you should do, or someone said you should go there. You know, tell them no. Reject it. You know, get away from it. Because if your heart turns away so that you will not hear, you can't hear Holy Spirit, but shall be then drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Now, verse 18 says, I declare unto you this day, May 18th, 2014, I declare unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land to which thou passest over, over to the Jordan to go to possess it. You see? So there's a danger in being pulled away, drawn away, so that you're getting in worshiping other things and situations where you're putting them before God, you know, and other gods or anything that you put before God, and that you shall not, you know, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land to which thou passest over to the Jordan to go to possess it. Nineteen. Put a bracket around and highlight the whole verse. I call heaven and earth to record this day. This day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Underline. This day, May 18th, 2014, God is saying, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. Cleave, underline cleave unto him. That thou mayest cleave unto him. Cleave means to hang on for dear life. Hang on tightly. Hang on tightly. The other word I think of cleave is in the marriage ceremony. I'm not conducting the marriage ceremony. I say that you shall cleave to your husband. You shall cleave to your wife. It's a tight joint, it's a tight hanging on, you know. And why would God choose the word cleaving there, meaning to hang on so, so tightly? Because that means that if you're not hanging on tightly, it can be taken away from you. Alright? So God would not say to cleave unto me, because it says what? For he is thy life. You see? So this is so important that God is saying to you this day that he's putting before you life and death, cursing and blessing, and for you to choose life and to cleave to God. You see? So with the stress, which we're going to, this is all leading towards the stress thing, all right, it's a matter of your choice. Are you choosing to accept the stress? What stress? What is your attitude? So if you stop and think back to this about what you're saying here, that God always gives you a choice. Verse 20 again, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou, thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. Please in the line, for he is thy life. And the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. All right? All right? He is thy life and the length of your days. Underline that part two. He is your life and the length of your day. So if you want to have long life, length of days is long life. He is not only your life, but he is your long life that you've got to cleave unto God. All right? So we see here now then that God has a lot to say about choices. So then if God has a lot to say about choices and for you to choose, then that means that when that stress comes into your life, how you manage that stress is dependent upon your attitude, how you're going to receive it. When that stress comes into your life, you fold, you buckle, you get worried, you start crying, you get palpitations, your stomach's in knots. God always gives us the choice, you see. Or do you choose to go back and remember what God is telling us here? That He is our source for length of days and long life. Amen? So now, now let's look at... Um, now, so to make that kind of positive choice in the face of stress, and the reason why stress builds stress in us is because it's driven by fear, okay? And if we start entertaining and making the choice to give into the stress and wind up putting ourselves in a state of fear, then that fear in your life, because that's what stress brings on is fear, that fear in your life can become a habit, all right? 
The fear in your life becomes a habit. So when fear in your life becomes a habit and you give in to that fear that you're allowing stress to bring on you, that fear becomes poisoned faith. It becomes faith that is poisoned. You're saying, fear is faith. Oh, pastor, you're going nuts. Fear is faith. Okay. Faith in a positive way, in line with God's word, is that knowing that no matter what happens, I have faith that God's going to bring me through in a positive manner. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord. So my faith is in God that something good is going to happen. Poison faith is where you become so accustomed to letting your attitude drive you in a negative way towards stress and giving into it that you start living a life where your expectation is every time there's stress, something bad is going to happen. So your faith then, your faith is in something bad happened, happening. So that's the same thing as the positive godly faith. It's the, it's the negative faith, which is poison faith, because you wind up going through life. Something happens, oh gosh, I'm going to fail that. Oh boy, I'm going to lose that. Oh man, I'm not going to be able to pay this. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. You see? And so your faith is not in the fact that something good is going to happen because of God. Your faith winds up becoming in that something bad is going to happen because that's what you're thinking. You already said that this, this, this stressful condition, this stressful thing that came into my life, I know which way it's going to go. It's going to go that way. It's going to go the negative way, the bad way. Whereas positive, godly faith says, oh boy, this stressful thing that came into my life, I know where it's going to go. It's going to go this way. God's going to bless me and bring me out of it. That's faith. That's godly faith. The other faith is demonic faith. It's poison faith. But you wind up not even realizing it. You wind up thinking so much about it because of your attitude and because of the fact that you're just, whatever's going on in your spirit that you have not prayed and checked and given to Holy Spirit and prayed about and just simply by an act of your will, having faith in God, your faith is that things are going to go wrong. You see? And these are the negative Nancys that we joke about, we talk about in life, where no matter what you say, there's a negative side of it, you see, and you wind up worrying about it because you've so conditioned yourself to believe that this stressful thing is going to turn out for the worst. So now you've got this poison faith that you're going in. Poison faith is just as challenging to overcome as developing positive faith, you see? Because within developing the positive faith, the things of God, this is where you stand on his word, and you simply say, well, why do I have faith that this is going to work out for me? Why is this stress not going to get the best of me? Why? Because of Deuteronomy chapter 30. What did God say to me here? He's laying before me life and death, blessing and cursing, and then he said to me in that scripture to choose life. So if God told me to choose life, to choose blessing and not cursing, so when this stressful thing pops into my life, my attitude is going to be that I'm going to choose life. All right? So stress management is a condition of how you manage your attitude in terms of God. How you receive that situation. Okay? So now, so, so now, so God is saying here that this day he's put before you um, these options to choose life and so on. All right? So now, so making a choice requires pure faith, not poison faith. All right? Um, now, so, and so in this regard now, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Okay, Romans chapter 8. And remember I said now that, um, that at the heart of stress is fear. Okay. And I thought, you know, I, would you call it stress? Would you call it stress if you went to the mailbox Opened it up, found the envelope in there from Publishers Clearinghouse, and it said umpteen million dollars with your name on it. And you take it out and you go into the bank. Would you consider that being stress? Now, you'd be excited, maybe, but I don't consider that stress, you know. Stress is when there's threat of failure to you, 
with a threat of something going wrong, okay? So at the root of that, that that's fear. That's fear. Um, something positive happening, yeah, you know, your heart may race and you're all excited and everything like that, but it's not viewed as, as stress because you're not looking at failure. Um, if you've got umpteen million dollar check in your hand, you're going to the bank with, I can't think of how you could be going to the bank thinking about failure there. I mean, unless you're such a negative Nancy that you're worried about getting a flat tire running off the bridge, running off the bridge, even with a $15 million, umpteen million dollar check in your hand, you start, well, oh boy, I may not make it there. I mean, and then you really, well, you got issues. <laughs> you got issues, okay? All right, so it's all then, with, it, it, it's based on fear. So Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Okay, carnal thinking, mindly thinking, okay. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. And here it's more referring to perishing or spiritual death, okay. Spiritual death is referring to here. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, capital S meaning Holy Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So that means that if we don't live after worldly things, we don't think like the world thinks. Okay? When something, again, stressful comes in our lives, we don't think the way the world thinks. Maybe people in the workplace or around you, your family or whatever, would say, you mean to say you're not worried about so-and-so? Don't you know that so-and-so happened? So-and-so said this? Did you see their Facebook page? Did you get the text or whatever it is? All right? And they're trying to get you to start worrying. Well, that's the way the world thinks. Because the minute that something, again, what have we talked, what have we talked about so far? The minute that negative, stressful thing comes into your life, you're going to choose, your attitude, you're going to choose not to accept it, but you're going to choose life, and you're going to choose to go and do what God is telling you to do. Amen? Amen? But the world wouldn't think that way. So what this is saying is that if you live the way the world lives, then that spiritual death to you, okay? Because you wind up, you just get so whacked out in terms of your worries and your fears and everything like that. You can't follow what Holy Spirit is telling you. So that's the difference that's being made here. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh or worldly, you shall you shall die spiritually. But if you, through the Holy Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, that means give up the worldly things, you shall live. For as many as are led, underline led, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay? So if you're being led by the Spirit of God, then that means that you're a son or a daughter, you're a daughter of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just pause there for a moment too. Being led by the Spirit of God means that as you're going through life and Holy Spirit speaks to you, and I can't begin to relay to you so many different subtle ways Holy Spirit will speak to you in the most, almost insignificant things. You know, you hear me talking about parking. I go by what I feel in my spirit a lot of times. You know, you know, Tanya I taking a trip and some things came up there just being led by the Spirit, which wound up being beneficial. We hadn't even thought about so all I'm just saying is that if you let yourself be led by Holy Spirit, He will speak to you in the most, quote-unquote, insignificant things in your life to guide you. To guide you, okay? And it's as simply as being able and ready and willing to listen to what He's saying to you, all right? And sometimes what you may hear Him say is not necessarily something that you would want to do, you see? You see? But not living by the Spirit is the way the world operates, and therefore, what does it say? It could result in spiritual death, you see? So first of all, you've got to get your mind, again, choosing your attitude. Do I choose to follow unction of Holy Spirit? You see? You see? And a lot of times, unction of Holy Spirit for the child of God will simply be, I felt I shouldn't have done that. I felt I shouldn't have gone there. I felt I shouldn't have called that person back. I felt, I felt, I felt where you had something in you where you just were not comfortable in doing whatever it is that you did, but you did it anyway. You see, you see? And 99.9% and, and, and of the time, and I'm saying this with certainty because I've seen God, how he acts in my life. Even if you made that choice which was not in line with Holy Spirit, he'll bring it back to you in the most loving way. He'll bring it back to you. It won't be condemnation, but you'll feel in your spirit, you know, and it's, Gee, you know, I felt I shouldn't have done that. That's Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, Do you remember when I told you don't do that? Do you remember when you felt uncomfortable about that? Okay? 
That was me speaking to you. Okay? In a still, quiet voice. This is Holy Spirit. This is how he works. All right? All right? This is how he works. So even in the most inconsequential things when you are being led by the Spirit, learn, especially today because things are so different from what they used to be. What is wrong by the Word of God is considered right. Things that are right by the Word of God are considered wrong. So there's more and more opportunity for us to be led in ways away from Holy Spirit, to be led by the world because the world is doing so many things that are counter to God. So many things, you know. And many times as human beings, if we want to be accepted, if we want to be looked upon favorably, we wind up following what those others are doing, okay? And some others that we are following may have good intentions for us, but it could be the case that they're blind. So you don't want to be a blind person being led by someone blind, okay? Or even worse, you don't want to be a seeing person being led by somebody blind. I mean, that's even worse. You know, seeing being that you are a child of God and you should know better, but you're going to go following somebody that's blind. Or following a situation, or following a word given by somebody blind. This is why I'm very careful about who prophesies over me. I don't go receiving everything when someone prophesies something to me. I don't let people be laying hands on me without knowing what's going on. You, you, you just don't do that. You've got to be led by the Spirit. You know, and many, many times you're in that kind of environment. Holy Spirit will be speaking to you. You feel an unction inside, and something ain't kosher here. Something ain't kosher here. Oh, go anyway, go anyway. You got your aunt Tilly and your great grandmother and the whole family pushing you. You know, everyone that you know. Oh, go anyway, go anyway. You know, then that person all of a sudden miraculously identifies you. Oh, you're the next Moses. You're going to bring this and you're going to do that. Holy Spirit didn't tell me that. Okay? All right? So, so what I'm saying is, you've you got to be led. You've got to be led by the Spirit. All right? It says, verse 14 again, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Where it says, For ye have not received... Draw a little line and write the word, I. For the next time you read this. Okay? For I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Okay? And it is indeed a bondage because once you start being led by fear, it becomes a bondage because you become enslaved to fear. You become enslaved to it. Again, going back to what I was saying about poisoned faith. So that when that stressful situation pops into your life, you know, you're such a bond, you're such a slave to fear that right away you start thinking that I'm going to fail. This stressful, this stressful situation is going to result in a bad thing. Okay, you know, that poisoned faith of yours starts rising up and overrides God's faith because you're so accustomed and you're so, your attitude is that, is that, is that this bad, stressful thing is going to be something bad. Well, don't be a slave to that because it says that you are not, you, you, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit. Holy Spirit of adoption. When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you meant it deep in your heart, you were saved. You were also adopted into God's family. You became a child of God. And the reason it says Father is because you are His son, you are His daughter. Amen? The spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is that Greek term again. It's a real familiar, close, um, almost like daddy. You know, where it's a close, close relationship with the Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then it means that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So if you're a joint heir with Christ, that means everything that Christ received, you are an heir to. Okay, you're a joint heir with Christ, you see. So again, knowing that, and the stress management thing and how you choose your, your, how your attitude to be, these thoughts should come back to mind. All right? If you are a child of God and you're an heir to the same things that Jesus received, then why should this stressful situation result in something negative? Okay? So it's again, it, it's how you choose your attitude, how you choose to believe the outcome is going to be. You see, you can choose to forget all of this when that, open that mail, that email, that text or whatever that's got you all of a sudden going haywire. You can choose to believe the other way. But how about this day forward, choosing to remember what the Word of God said about you? You know, I'm a child of God. 
Right? Do you think do you think any one of the, the children or, or whatever, the offspring of I don't know, Queen Elizabeth or um, Prince Charles and forgetting who's in power there right now, but do you think if any one of them ran into a difficult situation and said something to them, they would forget who they are? I don't think so. I don't think they you kidding me? I'm royalty. Here's my ring and so on like that. I'm the, the son of I'm the Duke of so and so, the Prince of So they don't forget. But how quickly we Christians forget who we are. When a stressful situation comes into our lives. It's how you choose your attitude, how you choose to manage the situation. Amen? But join us so that we may also be glorified together. Verse number 18. For I reckon, let me see how far do I want to go here. Uh, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Alright, so the sufferings of this present time, whatever it is that you might be going through today, you know, I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, not even worth it, to be compared with the glory of what shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected, subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You ever think about what the earth is going through? You look at all of the earthquakes and upheavals and the things, physical things that are happening in the planet. These landslides where whole blocks are being swallowed up. I mean, I mean, the whole creation is, is just kind of groaning and is travailing. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our body. That is waiting until, until you know, the rapture, until the, the, uh, the uh, judgment and when our bodies are redeemed and we have our new uh, resurrection bodies. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. Now, if you don't have all this underlined, please underline it. Verses 24 and 25 here. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why do you, let, why do you yet hope for it? Okay? So, it's easy for you to say... Oh, I have hope. You know, I mean, I, I have hope for the fact that you ask me for $5, a $5 bill, and I've got a $5 bill, and I'm handing it to you. And you say, oh, yeah, I hope you're going to give me the $5 bill, and I'm putting it in your pocket. You know, what kind of hope is that? I mean, you, you see it. All right? You know, you see it. Okay? All right. but, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we have patience to wait for it. So again, that stressful thing that comes into your mouth, into your, into your life, how do you choose to handle it? What is your attitude going to be? Well, the more positive to going to the godly way is that I know that God is going to bring this to closure. I know that God is going to take it, going to take for it. And, and hope, also known as faith, is in that thing that you don't see. That's what real faith is, you see. If it takes you to see something before you have faith in it, then that's not having faith. That's not having faith, you know. So when stress comes into your life and whatnot, then if you, if you can have faith because you think you see an answer to your stressful situation, that's not having faith because you see it. You see it. You, 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 know, you, know, you, know, you know, faith is me standing up here in front of the pulpit here preaching, and then all of a sudden I hear Holy Spirit say, okay, just sit down, and I don't see a chair behind me, but I know that's Holy Spirit, and I sit down. That's having faith. If I hear Holy Spirit say to me, sit down, and I turn around to look, and I see a chair there, and then I sit down, that's not me having faith. I'm sitting down because I see the chair. You see, and I've told you, I've done over the years that little experiment right here with you all. I have you stand up and tell you to close your eyes, and then I'll say, sit down. And I watch, and so many people will turn around and look at the chair to see if the chair is still there. Not even having faith that the chair is still there. What do you think I did? I had the ushers running out of the back and pull the chairs away? <laughs> okay, all right. But, but, but it's amazing. And that kind of goes through the other scripture, you know. You know, for, for what is it? We walk by faith and not by sight. You walk by the things, faith having faith in God, not by what you see, you see. So if you've got that stressful situation coming into your life, then your attitude, how you manage your attitude, is going to determine whether or not you have that stress or not, you see. But if you choose to manage your attitude by saying that, I am going to have faith 
I know that God's going to be able to bring me through whatever the situation is. All right? Then, you, then you're, you're walking in the Spirit, and you will be led by the Spirit. You see? You know? And I can't get away from... I can't get away from how important it is being brought right back to this how important it is to understand Holy Spirit and to be led by Him I can't overemphasize that I can't overwork it okay and I believe it's because of things to come of things coming down the pipe and, and I, I don't know whether this is for anyone individually here or all of us collectively I mean I know it's for all of us collectively but with things coming down the pipe the way they are if we don't know how to follow unction of Holy Spirit and the lead of Holy Spirit, you're going to wind up in big trouble. You're going to wind up in big trouble. Because there's so much, so many devious practices being held out there um, from, from, the, from, from the top um, administrators in this nation, on down the lines to each state, on down the line to our families, friends, places that we work. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of devious activity that's going on. And we have to learn to be led by Holy Spirit. And the only way you can be led by Holy Spirit is to know His voice. Okay? And, and, and you, you know His voice by knowing the Word of God. Because you know what the Word of God says you should do. You know what the Word of God says you shouldn't do. Okay? You know, we know where God has been leading you. We've got to learn to be led by the Spirit. Okay, and I mean you need to practice this in every single little thing you do. I don't care how insignificant it is. Okay, I I I I lost I, I lost a stylus in my house someplace. I heard it fall. Don't know where it went. I gave it to the Lord. It'll turn up. It'll turn. And, I, and Holy Spirit always does. My phone, my keys, always does. Go here, go there, go here, go there. And, and I know His voice. Okay, I know his voice. So you've got to get to the point, especially you're bringing children into the world. You've got young people around you. You've got younger folks that are in school. You've got to be able to listen to Holy Spirit because there are people, there are situations, there are things coming up that are so counter to God. If you don't know that what you're hearing or what is before you is not of God and you don't have the boldness to turn away, um, you could possibly be in trouble. Okay? And I, don't, I just felt so led to, to just dwell on that just, just, just for a moment here. Okay? So you've got to learn to be led by the, by the Spirit here. And then, then, it, then it goes to say, uh, verse 25, But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity. Okay? The Spirit also helps, helps our infirmity. For we know not what we should pray for uh, as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. With groanings which cannot be uttered. You see, so many times we have difficulty in praying on a conscious level, but Holy Spirit knows what to pray for. So you learn to pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. Then you don't have to go down your list. There's Aunt Jackie to pray for, there's Aunt Tilly to pray for, and you've got to go down your list. And by the time you go down your list of family, friends, or situation, you sleep. <laughs> Amen? So learn to pray in the Spirit, okay? Because God does, I mean, you don't even know what you need to be praying for, but Holy Spirit does, you see? So this is using Holy Spirit to pray for you because Holy Spirit knows the future for your life and He knows how you should be praying to God, you see? This is the beauty, and don't ask me, and any theologian that claims he can answer this is not telling the truth because this is so beyond human thought and understanding. But the minute when we come to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus, we're sealed by Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, and Holy Spirit is one with our spirit. And so when we're praying, our spirits are praying, Holy Spirit is praying, but the difference is that Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. So you've got God praying on your behalf to God. All right? Because you don't know what to pray for. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes what intercession for us with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You got that? 
So in other words, making intercession, he's speaking on your behalf according to the will of God. And the saints, by the way, are us. All right? Don't go by that thing that a saint is someone that has done, was it, three miracles. They're usually dead, I think. I don't know of any living saints. I think they're always dead. Someone that is dead, did three miracles and whatever, whatever, then they become known as a saint. That's not what the Word of God says. Not the Word of God says at all. We're saints. Okay? And it says, for the saints according to the will of God. All right? And, and, I mean, to prove that, I mean, if this was talking about those individuals that are dead and gone on, why does Holy Spirit have to make intercession for them that are dead and gone on? It just doesn't make sense. All right? So this is some of the people that are alive. It's us. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to His purpose. Well, if you, do you love God? Do you love God? All right? So if you love God and that stressful thing comes into your life, why do you choose the attitude of getting worried and getting stressed out? You know, I mean, even if you don't remember all of the scriptures that we just went through today, if you remember that, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, and that stressful thing comes into your life, just remember that. Do I love the Lord? Yeah. Well, then all things work together for good. You see? So again, it's how you choose your attitude to manage your stress. Yeah? You can pay thousands of, do- thousands of dollars going to management seminars on stress management. You can look in the, or do a Google, stress, uh, Google search on stress management, and my gosh, who knows how many you'll come up with. You know, you pay through the nose, you mortgage your house and your firstborn and everything else, and guess what? You walk out of that thing because of what you just did. You'll be more stressed out than you were before you took the course. And when, you, when you look at that visa bill when you get it, Amen? Amen? This is God's stress management. You love the Lord? Then guess what? All things are going to work together for good. End the discussion. End the discussion. Well, how do I know that? How am I going to... I don't see anything. Well, what, what does it say about things that are seen and hoping? Right? Hoping for the things that are not seen. I mean, that's a true testimony of faith. I don't know how God's going to do it. All I know is that what does it say? That if I love Him, all things are going to work together for good. Okay? And then guess what too, saints of God? All things working together for good may also mean, possibly, that at 2 o'clock the next afternoon, your situation may appear to go backwards, may appear to worsen. Alright? But what does the Scripture say? All things work together for good. Alright? So just rest assured that the outcome, the final place that you wind up in, will be a good place. Will be a good place. Okay? Alright? And even if you wind up taking what we may see as a slight backward step to get to the good, good, good stuff, alright? God's going to manage you and see you and carry you through that little setback too. Alright? He's not going to abandon you and get you to the point where you just go down to zero, you know, or minus 50. You know, you're not going to get to that point at all. All right? So even though you may see some things that you perceive, oh, gee, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. No, 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 no. Remember, if you love the Lord, all things work together for good. So the place that you're going to wind up is going to be a far cry better than where you are. A far cry better than where you are. Okay? You know, all things work together for good to them that they love God and are called according to His purpose. For whom He did know, um, before I go on, in the latter part of verse 28 there, uh, it says, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Please in the line, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You realize that you've been called by God, right? Okay? You've been called. The question is, how do we respond? We've all been called. You know, you, the fact that you're sitting here means that you're listening to God and you got up and you came to church today. Amen? You're being called. You're not only being called on Sunday between the hours of, of church service, you're called after church today. You're called Monday morning. You're called during the wee night hours. You are called. God knew your name. God knew your number before you ever made your introduction, your debut on planet Earth. 
God had your number before you were a thought in your parents' eye. Amen? Amen? You were called. That means you have a purpose. All right? What goes wrong in our lives many times, and even us Christians from time to time, is that the devil makes us doubt that call or tries to pervert that call. Okay? And if you think this is not so, what happened to Jesus? What happened to Jesus when he was in the desert? What did the devil constantly say to him? If thou be the Son of God. Okay? If thou be the Son of God. So the same way the devil tried to make Jesus doubt who he was or his calling, the devil tends to make us try to doubt our calling or who we are. So if you can just remember on a moment by moment, second by second, microsecond by second, that you are who you are, that you were called by God, and more important, that you responded to God. So everyone sitting in this sanctuary, as far as I know, gave themselves to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now what you believe deep down in your heart, of course, I don't know. But I do know that all of you profess to be saved Christians and everything, alright? Amen? Amen? Then that means that, that you, you, you're called, you acknowledge the call. So it says that to them, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, the problem is that many of us never aspire, never aspire to be to the point that God is, the purpose for which God has called us for. Many of us sometimes become afraid of what that calling might be. Many times people think that totally committing myself to God is going to take me to this supernatural level that makes them fearful, thinking that really walking with God on his supernatural level is going to be something scary. And so maybe they don't always aspire to where God is truly calling them. But God has called everyone in this room to do wondrous things. To do wondrous things. What did Jesus say before he went on? He said, the works that I do, you shall do, and many. All right? So it means that we all have the ability to do the works that Jesus did. But many of us, because of our fears and not trusting God, either we stop aspiring to do truly what God wants us to do. I mean, gee, you know, I've always looked for God in the heavens. I've looked for God in astronomy, you know. I mean, I still love it. I mean, I want to know so much about that side that is so beyond human grasp and human comprehension. You know, one day, sure, God will sit me near him and... Let me just get a download. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But if you aspire to, to God's calling, you can do wondrous things. And if you are aspiring to God's calling, when the devil enters into your life and tries to put doubt in you are in your in your mind, in your heart, saying, Are you truly the Son of God? Not Jesus, but a son of God. Are you truly a daughter of God? And you say, Yes, and therefore I choose this day. I choose. Not to accept this stress, not to accept this situation, because I know that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, and I love the Lord. And I walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, I choose, this day I choose, not to let this stress overcome me. Not to let it overcome me. For them who are called according to his purpose. 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, that he also called, to whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Underline that, please. And don't forget it. If God be for us, who can be against us? All right? So through this stressful situation, through this stressful thing that you're wrestling with, how do you choose to think? How do you choose to believe? If God is for you, which he just said repeatedly throughout the scriptures here that we've read today, Plus, when you're reading on your own, you see that God is for you. So if God is for you and with you, then who can be against you? Who can stand? I mean, you can have people against you. What this is really saying, you can have people come against you. Yeah, but who's going to stand? Who's going to survive? 
Who's going to overcome you? Who's going to do more harm to you than God? God is with you. God fights your battles. Amen? So how do you choose to think when that stress comes into your life? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how, sh- how, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave up his only begotten son for us. All right? How shall he not also freely give us all things? Who shall, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justifies? Okay, so who shall, who shall blame any? We are God's elect. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justifies? Who is he that, that condemns? Shall Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Underline that, please. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or more commonly stress, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Okay? So it's saying if through all the... The uh, bad things in life that can, that can happen, it says, for we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, all these things we are still more than, more than conquerors through him that loved us. So if you can realize that through whatever stressful situation is coming at you, whatever is going on in your life, remember that I am a conqueror. Okay? A conqueror. Now, you think back in... Human history, you know, all those people who were called conquerors, you know, all those, you know, Tiller the Hun, Genghis Khan, I mean, you think about them, you know. You think about people like that ever running from a battle, you know, David, right? So you're a conqueror. So it means when the devil tries to put that stressful situation in your life, again, how do you choose to manage it? How do you, what kind of an attitude do you choose to take? Do you choose to take, I'm a conqueror, and this stressful thing that's coming at me, I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to conquer it. How? All of the things that we just read. First of all, I love the Lord, so all things are going to work together for good. God told me on May 18th to choose life. I'm going to choose life. That means I'm going to choose and I'm not going to fail. This stressful situation is not going to overcome me, is not going to overtake me. And during the process of my conquering, how am I going to do this? I'm going to be led. Who's going to lead me? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to lead me. All right? So when that stressful thing comes into your life, maybe just sit back and say, okay, Lord, I just got that face mail, email, Facebook, text mail, tweet from Twitter, whatever, wherever it came from. Amen. Okay, Lord, I just got this. Me and you, Lord. Me and you. Lead me, Lord. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to say the words that you tell me to say. Amen. But I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose not to, to be distressed. Amen. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? So you go down that list. Go down that list. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate you from Jesus Christ, from the love of Jesus Christ. So do you think Jesus is going to be content to let you stand by and to sit there and just be tortured and to to be driven through stress and to lose sleep at night? Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that when stress enters into your life that you just automatically, you know, in the next nanosecond you jump into gear. No, when that stress thing hits you and it comes in, yeah, it's going to come to you. You're going to get that thing. You're going to read it. You're going to hear it. You're going to, somebody's going to be talking nonsense in your ear. You know, you're going to hear it. Yeah. But then you've got to bounce back. You've got to bounce back right away and say, this is what I choose to do. This is how I'm going to manage this stress, you know. And you can start by the first of all by just saying in the name of Jesus Christ I rebuke you spirit of fear because my Lord has not given me a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind. God has not, not made me, has not given me again to, given me over again to the bondage of fear. I've been set free from that. Alright, so you get, get past those initial pronouncements, confessions, 
you know, and then, then you invoke Holy Spirit. Lord, fill Holy Spirit, fill every void, every demon that I've cast out, fill every void with your presence. Give me a fresh anointing from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Lord, speak to me. What shall I do? What shall I do? All right? Okay. And if you're really following Holy Spirit, he will tell you what to do. He will tell you. All right? Now, the trick is, will he follow what, you, what he tells you to do? Okay, that's the choice. Do you follow him? You see? Do you follow what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, or do you follow what someone else is telling you to do? Or what the situation is suggesting you do? Okay? All right? And again, all I can say is this too, because I've seen it, you know, in my life and many others' lives, and this goes to people you work with, your friends, even out to family. While people may have the best, your best interest in heart, if it's not what Holy Spe- Holy Spirit is telling you to do, you can't go there. Simply can't go there. All right? All right? You can apologize to family later. <laughs> you know? And if they don't want to hear it, well, so be it. But I'd much rather stand before God and have him say, well done, you know, my true and faithful servant, well done, than for me to please a, a, a friend, an acquaintance, a family member, or anyone else. Okay? And you, when you stand before him, you say, well... I just did that because so-and-so said to do it. I didn't want to make them angry at me. I didn't want them upset. And wouldn't it be interesting if God said, Where are they? (laughs) Where are they that you listen to? Okay? They could be very well in the pit. You don't know. You know? But you do know that if you follow what Holy Spirit is telling you to do, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Amen. So stress management. It's all about how you choose to manage your attitude and which direction you choose to go. But I say to you today, to, in accordance with God's word, to choose life. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings. <laughs>